turn in the Bible to Genesis 18, that's where we are. As we're studying the scriptures, I got to about the first section, and that's about as far as I got. I do not intend to get uh, much further than out of 18, and maybe not that tonight. But remember we identified the message was uh, how you can identify a friend of God. Now, you also could give this another title. You could give these next two chapters, or this chapter and the next chapter, the title, How to Lose Your World. How to Lose Your World. Because that's what this is about, how to lose your world. I think it's amazing that our Lord Jesus, he takes this situation and he took the one to where he destroyed the world with Noah and he used both of those uh, destructions to teach us instructions about how he's coming again. And so we ought to be paying attention, don't you think? Now, if he can take care of it twice, I believe the third time is going to be it. We're going up, it's going to be over as he takes care of the rest of the business of the world. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to that day, and I know you are every day looking forward in a world full of terror and a world full of trouble. We can have a world full of peace because Jesus is Lord. I'm glad a bullet cannot get through where God says it's not to go. You know that? Now, sometimes God allows a bullet to get through. He has some things he needs to do. He allowed Satan to stick a thorn in Paul's flesh. No doubt that was the misery of his whole life. And he had to wear it and bear it. But every time he thought of it, he thought of heaven. You know what? He thought of heaven. This old thorn will be out. And while I'm on my way, I'll be telling people about Jesus. How many times is the... As Abraham called a friend of God in the Bible, three, right? I just going to see if y'all listening at all. Three, um, and so the first thing we looked at was uh, we called it his instinctive consecration, and we see an appearance of Jesus Christ. Now you say it doesn't say that Jesus Christ was there. Yes, it does. When you read it in original language, when you read it in original language, it talks about the angel of the Lord. It it talks other, it gives other phrases. And later on, usually at some point, it will identify him as the Lord, like in the case of Samson uh, and his uh, mom and dad when God appeared to them, and they didn't have a clue who it was. They thought it was just an angel of the Lord. But at the end, you remember what they said? We have seen the Lord. So I'm telling you here, Abraham got to see the Lord. I'm looking for the day when I get to see the Lord. I've known the Lord, I've experienced the Lord, I've sensed the Lord, I've been led by the Lord, I've been convicted by the Lord, I want to see the Lord. And so, that's what happens here at Abraham as they're sitting at the tent door during during their um, Jewish siesta, I guess we could say, and they're sitting there, Uh, they didn't work this period of time because it was in the heat of the day. You remember there in the lower part, 
of, or in the northern part of the Negev, which is in the southern part of Israel, and it would get in the high hundreds, uh, 115, 116 degrees. And so during that part of the time, they did not work. They would shut their businesses and they'd have a time of rest. They would get up very, very early and work till then, and then they would work until they couldn't work anymore at night. And so he's on one of those little siesta breaks. Now, Abraham may have been so old at 99, I doubt he punched a clock. He had a whole bunch of people working for him. And um, notice that as we look down through there, we see some things that happened for him. First of all, uh, we see his instinctive consecration. We see how, how consecrated Abraham was. He didn't have to think about it. He didn't have to stop and pray about it. He didn't have to, any, do, have to do anything. It was just instinctive for him to know that he ought to run to the Lord. If you're saved, folks, it's instinctive of you to want to be with the Lord. It's our instinct. It's our spiritual Holy Ghost instinct. And that's what it was for him. And notice, he, it's in his haste, verse number two. Now, can you see a 99-year-old man running, and he's a sheik at that, which didn't happen. And so he does that. So he does it in his haste. And then he did it in the heat in verse number one. The Bible says it was in the heat of the day. It was High noon, as they say in the old cowboy movies, it was high noon, and they he was doing it in the heat. He also was doing it in humility, verse number two said, because he bowed himself toward the ground. He didn't bow looking up. He bowed with his face down. He, he, he was prostrate before the Lord. That's what worship, you just can't get through Genesis without understanding what real Holy worship is. He bows before him. So in, we see his humility. The, listen, folks, this church altar here is not a place to per, per play. It's a place to pray. But it's not just a place to pray. It's a place to pray about things that are important to us and things that are breaking our heart and things to where we need to get in touch with God. And so that's what he does. He falls at the feet of the Lord and knows now he has come close to Jesus. He's in the presence of the Lord. So don't leave the Lord too quick. Stay there. You say, well, I don't have to bow. No, you don't, but it probably wouldn't hurt you. You say, I've got arthritis. So do I. And about anybody over 40 can claim to have it, right? I think some folks use his arthritis to get out of a lot of things, don't you? Oh, my arthritis is acting up today. I don't guess I can. No, you're lazy today. You don't want to. Let's just admit it, okay? It's not your arthritis. Now, your arthritis do, will act up, but it's going to act up where you go do something or not. Can I get a witness? And so, a 99-year-old, I'm sure he had little rheumatism, don't you think? You know, that we... Uh, uh, my granddad used to call rheumatids, and he had a little rheumatid. And so he goes and falls on his face in the presence of God. It'd be good for our church to do that. I think God's kind of tired of us playing, praying. We play at prayer. God wants us to get in his presence. Each week, 
Come into his presence with thanksgiving in your heart. Right? He said, I don't have anything to thank God for. Yes, you do. You got something. You got something. If it's not anything except the breath that you breathe, your last breath, you got something to thank him for. And so, so thank God. Don't leave the Lord. Make sure. Look, look, look at verse 3. He says, my Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away. I pray for thy servant. He said, don't leave us, Jesus. Stay alive, Jesus. Stay alive, Jesus. That's the way we ought to be, right? Come Sunday morning, instead of us looking at our clock, because we can't wait to get to the nearest restaurant or we're trying to beat someone to a place we've heard about and they haven't. We ought not be looking at our clock. We ought not to be listening to our stomach growl. We ought to be saying, stay a while, Jesus. Do something here in this place. And that's what they was doing. He, he was in his humility. Now here's where we got to in his hospitality. Hospitality is, was a big deal in the Bible. Doesn't matter where he's lost or saved. Hospitality was a big deal. Abraham took these men into his um, shade tree, air-conditioned tent, and uh, rushed in and said, you know, fire up, the, fire up the oven. And right here in the heat of the day, we're fixing to cook up a meal here. And so he goes and does his part, and Sarah goes and does her part, and they're getting everything ready uh, to cook the Lord a meal. Can you imagine well, how nervous we must be if you know you're cooking Jesus a meal? And they're cooking him a meal. And so in verse number 8, Abraham sets the table to help Sarah out. Isn't that sweet? Some of you men do that. Oh, all of you do it, right? You set the table for your wife and help her out. And he shared the chores. You'll read the story. You'll see how both of them shared the chores of hospitality because the hospitality of the home was primarily given to the woman when you read the New Testament. But all of the people had a part in the hospitality of the home like foot washing and, and, and those kinds of things was very, very important. So every believer that's a friend of God should be at his disposal, listen, for hospitality. I had not got time to fool with them, Jesus. I got a lot on my plate today. That's all right. If you're mine, I want you to take some time and help that person. We ought to be at his disposal for hospitality. There's a new folks across the side, other side of a church, and God said, you need to go over there and meet them. They, they need something today. Hurt. It looks like they're lonely. It looks like maybe they don't know too many people here. Well, I just don't meet new people. I don't care where you do or not. You're on my altar. Get over there and show some hospitality. Shake a hand. Hug a neck. Greet, she said. Ask them where they live. Ask them if they can come see you. Invite them to your Sunday school parties. That's, we, we got to be courteous. Y'all believe that? And the Bible says in verse number 8, look, and they took butter and milk and the calf which she had dressed and set it before them. He stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. And they said unto him, where is Sarah, their wife? Our day, we don't think much about hospitality, but let me just give you some verses to write down. Maybe you wrote them down last week. Hebrews 13, 1 and 2. 
There, the Bible says, we're to be so hospitable that we put our body in their body so that we can feel what they're feeling. Isn't that amazing? And Romans 12, 13 says that one of the qualifications of gifted people is that they're given to hospitality. And Matthew 25, verses 35 through 40, Jesus said, when you've done it unto one of these, the least of these. And so ministry of hospitality might be your spiritual gift. If it is, get busy using it. Because if there's anybody in this church that has that gift of hospitality in that gift, that package of gifts in Romans, if anybody has it, there should be nobody ever leave here saying we're unfriendly. Because that gift, that gift of hospitality will find itself radiating through the church. I got a letter, nice letter this week from a man that's been visiting our church saying, I'm so glad God let me find this church. He said, every time I come in, even in the parking lot, I feel the presence of God, and I get so blessed being in this church. I'm grateful for people like that. that Somebody, no doubt, invited him. Somebody, no doubt, had been good to him and nice to him, and he enjoyed being in this place. Another place you'll find it is in the third John. That's, chapter, that's verses 4 and 8. There's only one chapter of Third John. Don't want to mess you up. So uh, you can just go there and find that hospitality, they were given to it. That's why the disciples and Jesus, when they went somewhere, it didn't buy, they, didn't, they didn't check in at a motel. What any? They checked in at either somebody's house they knew, somebody's place they knew, or somebody had recommended. I mean, that someone would invite them in. And we'll see that later in Lot's case. So every Sunday, we ought to be looking for our guest. I don't mean just casually. I mean seriously. And not only that, we ought to be looking for strangers. First of all, to make sure they don't have any tactical equipment. (laughs) Second of all, we need to look for strangers because you you just like to be where people want you. You know, when folks get a bad attitude, they they think nobody wants them. And when somebody with the gift of hospitality uses it, it helps them to, to feel like somebody wants them. And then get, you just need to get up quickly and leave your lazy station and quit looking for your comfortable code and serve up your best to the people who come to Hillcrest. Amen? That would be a good slogan for us, won't it? The best at Hillcrest. That's what I'll get. Everyone must do it. It's not necessarily the biggest at Hillcrest. It's the best at Hillcrest. Okay. Thank you, Jay. I appreciate them. They're few and far between these days. <laughs> you know, we, it, it, I, I shouldn't get on this, but we live in the most selfish world I believe I've ever... Who ever thought we would live in a world like this? Totally, completely, utterly self-centered. 
Nobody tells me what to do. Nobody tells me where to go. Nobody's going to do what I don't want to do in my life. I'm going to do anything I want to do, and I don't care about anybody but me. That's a bad Christian. That's not a Christian philosophy. In fact, if you feel like that, you ought to be so miserable, your guts ought to be churning right now inside. I hope nobody's here like that tonight. But when you get out of fellowship with God, I'll tell you to do something that'll cause you to churn inside. It'll create anger and bitterness and hatred in your heart. And so uh, selfishness, uh, th that's why that we have a, uh, all across our country today, we're having all this rebellion. They're selfish. They get to live at home till they're 27. 27. 27. You could have already been a practicing doctor by 27. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And they get on insurance from mom and daddy at 27. I had two babies at 27. And mom and daddy had to pay for both. I put mine on installment plan. I'm not lying. I paid 5 and $10 a month on my babies. I got them paid off right before I went to Bible college. Six years later, I got them paid off. I didn't have any, we didn't have any maternity insurance. And so that's, that's the way we took care of it. How many of you know what I'm talking about tonight? And, and folks, we don't, we can't live. Uh, the church has got to be different from out there. We got to be unselfish, not selfish. And so uh, they show us how to be so unselfish selfish and how we're ready to be inconvenienced sometime um <laughs> I, I, I probably shouldn't give this illustration but i'm going to um, he was uh, you know it's something about our uh, little um, space that we like to guard you know we we we, we don't like to be inconvenienced we want to watch the football games on Saturday or, or we want to go to the mall on this day or, or, or that. And so, so I had to, um, I had a wedding and we got the times kind of mixed up and, and it was a very good family or, or they probably would have shot me, but we, we, they called and they told me, you know, that I'd missed the time a little bit and I said, I'll be there in a moment. So I jumped into a suit and took off and we got down there, and you know, and my wife was kind of grumbling a little bit around. She didn't know who, who it was, and so I came back home. And this family had been very, very generous, very, very generous in their gift to me. And so I looked at her. She didn't say a thing. I looked at her and I said, "Do you mind me being inconvenienced now?" Now, it don't always work that way, but it did in that particular case, and I, I called that family, and I, I'm so grateful for that family because I never have that happen. I just, it just don't happen, and uh, it, it happened on that day, and, and it was probably the least work I've ever had to do in a wedding. I had everything done, taken care of, and they were so kind and generous to me, and so I, uh, you know, sometimes we'll find out that being inconvenienced when it's all over with make us feel real good inside. You know, 
real good. Now look, look at the intimate conversation in verses 9 through 21. Two things our Lord talked intimately and honestly about. First of all, Sarah. Secondly, Sodom. Sarah, Abraham must have been so filled with excitement as he watched the Lord eat that calf. Have you thought about this? Abraham is watching Jesus eat. Somebody said, we're going to eat in heaven? Well, if he eat down here, don't you think he's going to eat up there? Night, and look what he's eating. Calf. Woo! Roast beef. We got it. roast beef. That's we're gonna have steak, T-bone, prime rib, Dennis. You know what I mean? We're gonna have good food up there. <laughs> I think Dennis was talking about how he liked them prime rib. I do too. I love those prime ribs. They don't love me. They cause you to kind of get out there, but I love them. But just think, you know, the only other place that that is mentioned is in John twenty-one, where there he eats fish. Remember the honeycomb. So here's, he's watching him as he shares a meal with him and uh, drink his milk, eat his bread. But the Lord said, where's Sarah? Verse 9, she's in the tent. <laughs> now, they didn't know, but Sarah was like this. Uh, she was trying to hear what was being said outside. So look, look, look at what was being, being said outside. And, and he says, well, Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. And Sarah heard him at the tent door, which was behind him. And now Abraham and Sarah were old and well-stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself. She didn't laugh out loud. She didn't laugh where anybody could hear her. She didn't laugh where anybody could see her. But Jesus heard her laugh. Jesus knows what you're thinking right now. Yeah, he does. He knows. He knows when you're pouting. He knows when you're shouting. And she laughed. Now, this wasn't a laugh of... Um, faith <laughs> this was kind of a laugh of goodness gracious i'm old that was one of those like kind of laughs and so he she said uh sarah blurted out i didn't laugh now i'd call that a lie what you call it huh you call it a lie yeah and she said i didn't laugh and God corrected her. And he said, you did laugh. Amazing how that we can do things inwardly. And we say, we didn't do that. And God said, yes, you did. I heard you laugh. I heard you snicker. I heard you mad. I heard you angry. I heard. I didn't laugh. He's told a lie. I do believe in my heart that lying is one of the things that God hates the most. In fact, in Proverbs 6, that's one of the things that God says he hates is a lying tongue. And then he mentions a couple of other things in there that has reference to lying. And all through the Bible, God cannot stand 
a liar. He just does not like lying. You know, but Sarah was kind of like little Billy. Little Billy had told his mother that uh, his mom had taught him that we shouldn't tell lies and taught his sisters and brothers and all they should not tell lies. That God didn't want it and it wasn't right. He said, and they knew that. And he'd been kind of telling lies. He got to telling us little lies and he'd lie here and he'd lie there and lie here and lie there like my daughters did and don't y'all lie y'all's did too you know they, they lie I hate it when a parent says my child don't lie you dummy what is wrong with you they lie like dogs they do and and uh, uh, he, she, he said all of a sudden he'd come running through the house mama 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 there's a lion in the yard she said, you know, there's no such thing as a lion in the yard. You get up to your house, and you get on your knees, and you talk to God, and you ask him to forgive you for telling that lie you just told. So he hangs his head, goes upstairs, stays up there and prays a while, come downstairs, said, what? She said, what God tell you? He said, I thought it was a lion the first time I saw him too. <laughs> that's how he said, that's what God said. <laughs> well, mama didn't like that, of course, but. That's the way a lot of Baptists are. They'll come up with a way to justify a lie. And so she lied, and God said, you did laugh. She said, no, yes, you did. We need the Lord, you know, some, of, of some debates, don't we? I, I, I'd like to have a presidential debate and let the Lord moderate it. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> you, I believe every other word say liar, 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 liar. There we'd be, right there. So the truth of the matter is, folks, we, Sarah had lied to the living Lord right in her living room. Mm. And she didn't even say a word. You know, I expect we've all done that, haven't we? Lied to the living Lord and didn't even say a word. Think about that. Is that soaking in? Lied to the living Lord and never said a word. So God had talked about their intimate life, their childbearing. He said, at the time that you would be strong to be conceived, he said, I will come back nine months later and you will have a baby. And so he talked about Sarah. He was intimate about it. But now he's intimate about Sodom, verses 16 through 21. God started to leave, but there was one more subject he needed to talk to Abram about when he, before he left. It was something intimate. It was something he didn't want everybody to hear. And why would he do that? Because according to John 15, 15, friends do that. Friends talk to each other about things that they don't want other people to hear. They don't need to hear. And if they did hear it, they would 
misinterpret it or take it to the wrong person. And friends just talk to friends in a way that is trustworthy and honest. And that's what John 15, 15 tells us. You know, we can all be a friend of God. Just because God identifies Abraham in the Bible three times as a friend of God doesn't mean we can't be a friend of God because the Bible tells us that we are his friends if we keep his commandments. So if we won't obey God, we can be a friend of his too. And so he, he got intimate with, with uh, Abraham about Sodom. Why? Because Abraham had the most love for that filthy, nasty place. Notice he did not go to Lot and talk to Lot about Sodom. He went to Abraham and talked to Abraham about Sodom. Hmm. Interesting. Why didn't he go to Lot? Because Lot couldn't hear him. Too carnal. Too backslid. Too out of the will of God to hear our Lord. See, the Bible tells us that people were crying out down there. They were crying out down there, you know, to come and help us. If if you'll read a little further, you know, it it, it says that the uh, verse number 20, and the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great and because their sin is very grievous. In other words, their sin hurt God so bad. I'll go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which has come to me, and if not, I will know. So what he's doing is taking a survey of the town to see what type of judgment needs to come upon this ungodly city of Sodom. Now, he's actually giving it a test to prove what they are because God knows everything, right? It wasn't like he, God goes down there. Uh, he sends his angels down there to talk, take care of that. And why were they crying? Uh, look what it said. They're crying. Crying, God, help us, help us, help us, help us. Here's what they were doing. Same thing's happening right here in America. God, help us, but don't change me. Change my town, but don't change me. Change my family, but don't change me. Change my church, but don't change me. Oh, that's why he talked to Abraham. In America today, we're crying and we're praying, and I see, I, I, I see some of the honesty and sincerity in some of the groups that pop up uh, all over the country and people call me and want me to join and I, I'm even in a few of those groups that, um, that, that try to stand for morals and things like that. But the truth of the matter is most of us want God to do all the changing but we don't want God to change one thing about us. 
We want to keep living the same thing, talking the same way, acting the same way, doing the same thing, going the same places, fellowshipping with the same people, going to the same church, doing the same thing. Change our town, but leave us alone. Folks, God's not going to answer a prayer like that. God said, I could change your church if you'd let me change you. I could change your family if you'd let me change you. I, 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 I could change this community if this community let me change them. Mm. So he goes to Abraham to talk about Sodom. I'm going to stop here because I haven't got but about seven minutes and I don't want our bus drivers to be late tonight. But God can't talk to you if you claim to be a Christian and maybe you are a Christian but you're carnal. In other words, you're acting like a lost man. How is Lot acting? Just like the Sodomites. In fact, he was the governor. How do you get elected to a job like that unless you stay silent about your convictions? When people have been angry at me over things I've said, I don't apologize. Some folks have left over things I've said. I don't apologize. I did get tickled the other day. I thought it was funny. Somebody told one of our men, he said, where you go to church? I go to Hillcrest. Hillcrest? That preacher over there has ruined the Democratic Party in Lebanon. <laughs> well, I kind of had that in mind, but I didn't. Now if I could just ruin the other party and then get one that was a godly party, we'd be in good shape, right? But I thought that was <laughs> hilarious. And, you know, to me, it's worth being here 28 years just to hear that statement, you know, made in a town of 22,000, uh, 132,000 in the county. That thrilled me to hear that come. But the truth of the matter is, is what we're saying, you know what, you know what he was really saying? Change our country, but don't change me. You want something to happen in your life? She was here during our prayer rally that we had this year. A, a lot of prominent people were here that night. You may not have known that. A lot, of, very, a lot of prominent people. She was the Vanderbilt professor of law and political science. Her name is Carol Swain. By now, most of you probably know her. At that time, she was not very well known. Uh, she's written a book, and she was fired from Vanderbilt University for openly criticizing Islam, LGBT, and liberals in the science field, in the areas to where they were hurting science. And so she came up to me at the end of the service and gave me a copy of her book and signed it and said, I just want to thank you for speaking out on some of those issues that very few people will even talk about and it's cost me my job. 
change our church. But don't change me.